Hey, how about joining me? We have a whole lot of folks, I'm sure, today joining us online. Can we welcome all of our online guests this morning? Woohoo! We love you guys. We're glad you're tuning in, not only from our church family, but our, our extended church family in the nations of the world. I know we've got a lot of folks that are just staying home today, and that's fine. Aren't you grateful for technology? Um, I know a lot of the larger churches had to go completely with online streaming and, and uh, because that's just what happens when sometimes you get really, really big. I'm grateful for our, our congregation, the size that we have right now. It works out very, very well. We've got some folks in our uh, overflow room. We're grateful for them. And I'll, I'll, just so you all know, in compliance with our governor's uh, instructions uh, about 200 gatherings, no greater than 250. Uh, we're making sure we're limiting this service to 250. Aren't you grateful we have an overflow room where we can accommodate another 250 over there? And so what I'm trying to tell you is, in addition to online streaming, which I hope you guys will take ad advantage of, uh, that we are going to be moving full speed ahead. We're going to continue to preach the word, help people, love people, support people. And, um, you know, I was just talking again with a flight attendant this morning. How, many, how would you like to be a flight attendant for the next month? Um, Ruth was telling us that on her flight to uh, Newark, uh, from Chicago to Newark, there was one person. Um, and so I, here's the point I want to make as we get ready to worship the Lord in our giving. It's amazing the power of hysteria and fear to bring incredible destruction and loss, all right? Um, how many of you know the stock market vacillates based upon one thing, confidence? Another word for confidence is fear. When people are afraid, we lose wealth. When people are confident, we gain wealth. Isn't it amazing that just this last week we went through fluctuations of losing millions, uh, billions of dollars up and down in the, in the stock market based on no change whatsoever except fear. Uh, and, uh, and that's the power of fear. You saw people, and again, I still haven't figured out why are we stockpiling toilet paper unless people, you know, can I just share something with you? Unless you have incredible faith for diarrhea, right? <laughs> unless you're just believing God for a super abundance of diarrhea, what are you doing? Uh, we're not stockpiling any of that because we're not believing for diarrhea. How about you? Anybody in agreement with me on that? All right. Um, but it's crazy how fear causes us to shrink back. And I want to encourage you, don't move in fear. Move, move in a spirit of faith. Move in a spirit of confidence. In fact, the whole word today that we're going to talk about is rooted in the strength of God. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But if you guys could put that verse up on the screen for me from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I bring up, you know, our, our flight attendants and I bring up school teachers and single moms and, and folks like that because it's very difficult when all of a sudden um, things get shut down and your job maybe is shut down, your income is shut down. I talked with uh, a woman uh, who works for a school system who's not one of the teachers uh, and uh, she's one of the support staff and sh she's not going to be getting paid for the next four weeks. And I just encouraged her again to keep our eyes on the Lord. Amen. And not on what could, might have, should, hope we don't happen, whatever. Uh, but this is also where the church comes in. And, and I just want to make something real, real clear here. I don't want to be nitpicky. You know, I, I took a little bit of a, uh, of a revolt in my spirit against the language that all non-essential gatherings, uh, right, sporting events, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and churches. Can I just remind you all that the church should never be mentioned in the same sentence with the word non-essential. Um, that is a sign of the increasing secularization of our culture. 
where the church is viewed as a glorified social club that's basically good for nothing except spreading coronavirus when they get together. Um, that's not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the church has been the backbone and the foundation of American strength since the very beginning. It's God's people and God's covenant and God's promises that have helped us get through every single challenge we've faced as a nation. And I just want to tell you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will never stop gathering. Uh, I don't know what is in store for us, but we will always gather because this is the most important gathering of the week. In fact, I loved our president's boldness. So that's one thing he, you can never condemn the man for is boldness. Uh, he declared today a day of prayer for America. Now, we haven't seen this in America for a long, long time. Uh, and, uh, and he is a wise man because every single time when our nation has faced tragedy or crisis and leadership has called God's people to, to their knees, um, God always responds. And we always come back. I believe today is going to be one of those days. We're going to have a chance at the end of the service where we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for God to move in our nation and to accomplish his purposes in our nation. But I want you to look at this verse, and I want you to say this with me. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able. Say that with me. Let's just say it again. God is able to make all grace come in abundance to you so that you may always under all circumstances and regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and every act of charity. That means you're going to have enough toilet paper and then some to give away. Isn't that amazing? That you should not be hoarding. Anything. I mean, you know, we're not Christians aren't hoarders. We're blessers. Isn't it amazing? So I want you to get that. But you know what? The promise is for those who believe. God is able. And I love that verse because it says under any circumstance. You know, we serve God. You remember when Jesus was talking about the temple tax and somebody asked him about temple tax and he told him to go fishing. And he said, the first fish you catch, check out the fish's mouth. And what was in the fish's mouth? The temple tax coin. How many know that's an amazing God? He puts coins in fish's mouths, and then he tells them to jump on the hook and pay the bill. I mean, think about that's God. Isn't he crazy awesome? How much more will he take care of you? He meets our needs through ravens bringing food to prophets in the, in the wilderness. Our God is supernatural. Our God is able. Amen? He is able. And I don't care what the scenario that we're in. I just want us to move in faith. But here's the deal. God is able to meet somebody else's need in this house that might be in a bad financial situation because of what's going on. But he meets that need through all of us together. And that's why we need to not shrink back. We need to keep going forward, and we need to keep giving boldly. So I want to pray for us right now. Lord, we see your word. Our job is to grab a hold of it uh, with faith. And, Lord, we choose to do that. We thank you for promises like this, for times like this. We reach out in faith. Lord, we pray that we would have a super abundance so that we can reach out to this community and minister love and minister life to them in Jesus' name. So, Father, bless us now, we pray. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. While you're doing that, let me just remind you, um, next or a couple weeks from now, we're going to be dedicating uh, our new babies to the Lord, which is always exciting. If you've had a new addition, make sure that you let us know. Sign up out in the foyer. 
Uh, we're also going to be water baptizing folks. If you've given your life to Christ recently and you are going to obey him and follow him in water baptism, we encourage you to do that. And that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Make sure you sign up again. Um, the only thing that we're not doing today in your bulletin is the uh, starting point class. Uh, we only had a couple folks that signed up for that. Uh, so we're just going to wait till things settle down a little bit, and we'll let you know when we reoffer that class, all right? But that will be coming up. I really want to um, encourage your hearts today. Um, our, our series that we've been talking about on I am puny, but God is, and we've been highlighting the great I am and all the things that he is to us. I want to talk today just providentially. I think it's, it's the word for the season on the fact that God is really, really strong. We're not using theological terms here. We're not going to talk about the omnipotence of God or some of the other theological terms. I just want to speak in our language. We, we said last week, God is happy. How many of you got that one? Uh, God is a happy God. Uh, God is a great God. God is a good God. I mean, we're keeping this pretty simple because we need to grab a hold of this. God is also a strong God. And I want you to look at a passage of scripture with me. Turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, verse 15, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. Four weeks ago when we began this series, I asked you this simple question, and it's a very important question. I said, how big is your God? And I wanted you all to pause, and I wanted you all to ponder on that. And I tried to build a case for why it's so important for us to think about this, because here's what I, I, the case I tried to make. The size of your God determines the size of everything else in your life. And I hope you're seeing that to be true. If God is really, really small and he's not the center of your life, then your problems are going to be humongous. You're going to be freaking out. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be constantly dealing with fear uh, because, let me just tell you, I'm giving you the spiritual diagnosis. Your God's way too small. But when God is big, our problems come into perspective. Not that we don't have issues or challenges. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have many troubles and challenges. Tribulations was the word, right? We're not in heaven yet. We're in a fallen, broken world. We're going to deal with stuff. But he said, I never would leave you. And he said he would be with us. And he said we'd be more than conquerors. And he said a whole bunch of things that really should encourage us. So here's my point. We're either going to look at the problems or we're going to keep our eyes focused on God. And this is foundational. I'm to, what I'm sharing with you today is a huge foundational block because how many times do we go through life when we realize we don't have enough strength in ourselves to deal with whatever that situation is? Have you ever been there? Not enough strength. But guess what? God is strong. And every one of these things we're talking about when you're wondering, man, I wonder if the Lord loves me. I, man, I can't seem to hear his voice. God is good. He's for you. I wonder if God's going to come to my aid in this situation. It's, the, it's his nature to have his heart directed towards you in love and in kindness and in goodness and in favor because that's who he is. But if we don't have an understanding of who God is, we get into big trouble. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, just by way of review, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. How I many of you know the people that know God are strong because God himself is strong, and to know the strong one is to make yourself strong. And here's the cool thing. When you know God, you're not shrinking back in fear. You're looking for opportunities to press into what is God doing right now. I believe God is doing great things now. I'm going to give you a crazy example. You know, in, in China, in the city where this whole con uh, coronavirus uh, episode first broke out, there were two ladies going around on the streets with Bibles in communist China where they're imprisoning and torturing people who are people of faith. 
They're going around in this disease-filled, hysterical, crazy uh, environment, handing out Bibles and sharing Jesus with their neighbors. That's what I'm talking about. They're living by a different set of rules. They're living in another kingdom. They're living in supernatural boldness. They're pressing in. They're not shrinking back. But let me give you the opposite of this verse in the Johnson paraphrase, all right? The people who don't know their God shall freak out and fight over toilet paper. Now that's the truth. That should be on Twitter right there. That is a a life-changing word. The people who don't know God freak out and fight over toilet paper. I did see a funny meme that really blessed my wife. She laughed for 15 minutes on this one. They said, with the toilet paper crisis, you can now take those socks that don't have a match, and there's something good that you can do with them, all right? With 10 of us in the Johnson household, do you know how many socks don't match in our household? We are excited. We finally found a use for those socks. All right. I got to get back on the word here. All right. Today we're going to talk about the fact that God is omnipotent. He is really, really strong. And what I want to highlight is, you know, sometimes when we're focusing on a single attribute of God, there are other, you know, how many of you know when you're focusing, for instance, on the love of God, he doesn't stop being everything else that he is just because you're focusing on that. God is everything that he is all the time in, in abundance, in infinite supply. And this is one of those verses where you see multiple attributes of God coming together. We talked about it last week, but I want to highlight a different aspect of it today. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, talking about God. He who is the blessed, or we said that word means happy, God is the happy and only potentate. Now, that's a good old, old-fashioned word, potentate, which simply means he's sovereign. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. How many of you know that to reign over anything, you have to have power? Makes sense. You can't, you can't reign if you don't have power or authority. But to reign sovereignly as the only potentate means you have, by definition, all power. All the power that is power that exists. In fact, you are power, and this is who we're talking about. This is what it means to be omnipotent. It literally means to have all power. Now, in the Bible, the word almighty is used over 70 times. How many of you have seen the word almighty in the, in the Bible before God? The almighty, almighty God, 70 times. What does that word mean? Well, that word is making reference to the fact that God is all-powerful. In fact, if you, I love to start at the beginning of the Word of God and then roll all the way to the end of Scripture, and you find God being powerful at the beginning in creation, but you also find that all of human history is going to end in a demonstration of God's great power. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 and 7 with me. I think I just have verse 6 on the screen, but listen, what it, look at what it says. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. There it is again. All of history coming to a close with a reminder that the Almighty is ruling and reigning. And look at the response in verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. Can I just share with you, in the midst of crises, I told you last week on the happiness of God, one of the best things we can do when life is crumbling on, on you, caving in on you, and you feel the pressures of life, one of the best things you can do is find joy in God. Get together with a brother or sister and laugh. I'm telling you, laughter is healing medicine. Laugh. 
What is the response to the sovereign power, omnipotent power of Jesus? We rejoice, we're glad, and we honor him. Isn't that good? That's our response. If God is who he says he is, I'm a happy camper. That's the response. Ideas have consequences. And can I just share with you, you know, I've heard a lot of people, sometimes we, we know God speaks to us, right? We know the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We know we're God's sheep. We hear his voice. But I've heard people say things like, man, I just, sometimes I feel like God's not speaking to me. Can I, can I be real with you, all right? I don't build my life around the, the Holy Spirit, still small voice words. I don't build my life on that. I build my life on the rock-solid revelation of who God is in his word. And I simply connect the dots. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to give us specific instructions for specific situations. But some people, they sit around like, well, I just I can't hear God. Open your Bible. Connect the dots. Well, I just feel so weak. God is strong. What are you focusing on? What are you fo- Well, I just waiting. No, what are you waiting for? Believe the word of the Lord. Act on the word of the Lord. I remember praying one time for boldness. I was a teenager going off to school, and I was praying for boldness to witness, and, and I got done, and we prayed, and I didn't feel any different. And the Lord said to me, what are you waiting for? You asked me for go boldness. Now go be bold. Go be bold. Go do what you just asked me to do. That's what faith does. Does this make sense? So when, when, we, when we're understanding about who God is, what we're supposed to do is take who he is and apply who he is to our lives personally. And this does not take an angelic visitation, getting slain in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't, and those are all great. It doesn't require any of that. It's hearing the word of God, acting on the word of God, and building your life upon the word of God. Does this make sense? So I'm just, that's why I'm laboring right now, because if we don't know God, we will not be strong and we will not do exploits will become toilet paper hoarders. That will be our vision. We don't want to do that. How many of you don't want that, that future? All right, we don't want that future. The Bible says, Psalm 147, how great is our Lord, his power is absolute. Now, when we talk about absolute power, when we talk about God being almighty, that means nobody can frustrate God's plans and purposes. And I want you to see this. You're looking at what's going on in the world right now. I'll tell you what's going on in the world. God is working out his plans for his glory and our good in spite of what Satan would try to do to the contrary. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Now, can I just put a comma in right here? God's not saying you're not valuable. God's not saying we're not important. He gave his son for us. God is saying in comparison to me, all y'all are nothing. It means we're insignificant. It means in one verse he says all the nations of the world are like dust on the scale. We need to understand to whom we are speaking this morning, and how big our God is. All the people on the earth are nothing compared to him. This is what I'm trying to say. If you make people the focus of the gospel and not God the center of the gospel, people become too big and God becomes too small. This is really huge. God is the good news of the gospel. God is the center of the gospel. God is who we live for, which it says, look what it says next. God does whatever 
pleases, whatever he pleases among the angels in heaven, among the people of the earth. No one can stop him. And I love this. No one can say to him, uh, what do you mean by doing these things? You know, can I just give you a parenting lesson? This irritates me. When you're a parent and you have a two-year-old who says, why? They don't deserve a detailed explanation. Here's when omnipotence speaks. I am dad almighty. That's why. My word is true. I don't need to explain it to you right now. I'm issuing a divine fiat in my house, all right? You don't reason with three-year-olds and try to explain. And can I just tell you this? God, when we come to the Lord, we're going, well, God, if you're this, well, God, why? It's like, who do we think we are? Like I hear people say, well, someday I'm going to stand before God. And you know what? I'm going to ask him. Well, let me, just, let me just clarify something for you. If you're wrong with God and you're far from God and you're a rebel from God, you're not going to be saying nothing. You're going to be on your face trembling like you've never trembled before. That's what you're going to be doing. And if you're a believer, you're going to be on your face, not trembling, but probably quaking in joy and laughter and thanksgiving that half the things you thought you didn't say because you would have realized at that moment that would have been really stupid. So here's my point. God's so much beyond our job description that we many times need to do this, and we need to do this. How many of you understand the depths of the coronavirus and how we're going to solve this problem? Anybody got that all figured out? Good. I don't either, but you know what I do understand? I understand that God is strong and that everything in in the universe is under his control and authority. And so you know what I do? I worship him. And I say, Lord, we trust you moving in this situation and working it out for your good, your glory, our good, and for the good of lost people who are going to come to know the Lord through this situation. Because when shaking is coming, can I just tell you, we're like, man, I, I don't know about you, I've never experienced anything like we're experiencing right now in all my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Never, I've never seen this. But can I give you another promise? This is just the beginning of the end. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so why are we preaching on this series? Because I want to make sure we're standing on the one thing in all of life that cannot be shaken. That's what we said. I'm looking over at Amr. Amr, I so appreciated your post. Because here's the problem. Amr was just out shopping, uh, ducking to keep from the mobs from assaulting him, probably at the checkout counter, which he waited in line for three or four days to get up there. And... uh, and he's looking at the news media stuff, the magazines, and here, here's big coronavirus, and, and here was the subtitle, How Will You Survive? I mean, you know, that is irresponsible media garbage. The problem is, the problem is, and this is probably why the media hates the president so much, nobody until President Trump looked at him and said, you guys are a bunch of fake news and ticked them all off. But that's exactly what they are, fake news. And all this stuff, I, I want to tell you guys, the best way to cor- corral the coronavirus, turn off your TV. Turn off your TV. And guess what? God's attacking all of our idols right now, isn't he? Instantly, no sports. What, what? I mean, some of you are going, thank God it wasn't football season. I know what you were thinking. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you turn on ESPN and you're watching badminton in Antarctica or something like that. You're like, oh, my word. What is happening? No NCAA tournament. No NBA. Oh, my gosh. Our whole world, our whole social world come crashing down. Some people work hard, invest, 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 save your money. Um, we're going to live on this big nest egg. Thousands of dollars just went out of your investment account overnight. You're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? God is shaking every idol that can be shaken. How, how do we spend our time? 
Oh, gosh, how do we spend our time? Let's watch the news and, and fall into hysteria. No, shut the stupid TV off. Open your Bible. Spend time with God. Fill your house with praise. Go love your neighbor. Invite them to church. Invite them to youth group. Go reach out to people. Invite them to your house for life group. God is shaking the nations of the world. And I'm glad for one, Amra, you hold them accountable. Keep holding them accountable. I'm, I'm, I'm being halfway joking. But somebody needs to say, hey, knock it off. You're not helping the situation. You're throwing gasoline on the fire. Look at Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember, the Lord says, the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God. There is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Wow. Everything, everything, everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That is the biggest power verse. That's why I hate the coexist bumper sticker. Are you kidding me? Buddha can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Buddha isn't even alive. Buddha's dead. All the false idols, dead. All the false religions, dead. Only God can deliver that. That's part of his glory. Everything I plan will come to pass. That's our God. That's the God we need to be proclaiming. That's the boldness we need to be moving in. That's part of the glory of God is the fact that he knows the beginning from the end and God's already been in tomorrow, which means we can handle it because we're with him. I love this about God. These are power verses. These are verses that cause us to go, wow, how big can God possibly be? How strong can God possibly be? His name is synonymous with power. Jeremiah 10, verse 6 There is none like you, Lord, for you are great and your name is full of power. Isn't it great when we sing songs about Jesus, Jesus, we declare that name. What are we doing? We're we're releasing like Holy Ghost atomic bombs in the atmosphere in the name of Jesus because that name is synonymous with power, with strength. Let's fill our houses with the name of the Lord. Let's declare the name of the Lord. Let's pray the name of the Lord because his name is absolute power. I'm going to flip over here and skip uh, a few verses ahead, so follow with me back there, Skylar. Um, One of the ways that God has demonstrated his power to us is around us every single day. Many of us are oblivious to this. I mean, I'm talking about his creative power in nature. The the created realm was meant to display and to uh, demonstrate the goodness and the glory and the power of God Almighty. And I want to encourage you, look around. When the sun's rising, I've got these beautiful little bulbs coming up. I told you I planted them last year. I planted them in faith. How many of you know we preached on this? The seed never uh, never dies. It always wins, all right? The seed always wins. These bulbs are coming up. Every day I go out and I just watch them declaring the glory of God. They're opening up right now. Everywhere, sunsets, the power of God in nature. It's, It's meant to display God's goodness. Look with me at Proverbs 8. Here we're going to see another combination of the attributes of God. We encounter this amazing scene, and we have this backstage pass to the activity of the Father and the Son who are working in joyful harmony, check this out, as happy co-creators of the cosmos. We see in this one verse in Proverbs 8, unlimited power commingled with infinite joy. Look with me at at, at Proverbs 8, uh, verses 27 through 29. The Lord says, when he established the heavens, I, meaning Jesus, was there. 
when he drew the circle on the face of the deep or the oceans, uh, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the, the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit. In other words, God said, you can go this far and no farther to the seas. Uh, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, this is what God the Father and God the Son were doing. Isn't it incredible that God created with his spoken word? Now, what I love about atheists is they're constantly borrowing from our worldview to establish theirs. They always say things like, gazillions of years ago, energy mixed with dirt, and there's this explosion caused by lightning, and the first, you know, living thing came into being. And I always want to ask him, first of all, were you there? No. Secondly, where'd you borrow the lightning and the dirt and the energy from? Because that's part of our worldview. You're starting with something that our God created. You know what our God created with? An idea that was voiced through words. Our God has the power to create with the spoken word. That is awesome. Guess what? He's given us the same power with our words to create life or create death by what we say. But look at what God said to Job. I love this. This is in Job 38. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? I mean, you know, God can state himself pretty clearly at times, and here he did. Brace yourself, God said to Job. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Look at verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions? Who stretched out its surveying line? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Of course, you know the answer, Job, was reduced to utter silence. Job had nothing to say. Because God was simply flexing his muscles and simply saying, you know what, when I created all of this, Job, you were not even here. And you had nothing to do with it, and you don't have any answer as to how it got here or how it's sustained. But I'm the God who created all this, which causes us to, how about this, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's good to come into the presence of the Lord and not so much talk and say things, but simply be quiet and recognize his greatness and recognize my puniness in comparison. You know, the created realm is full of monuments of God's power. How, how many of you enjoy a good storm besides me? I'm not talking about a devastating storm, but I'm talking about a good one. I'm talking about one that shatters, or, or not shatters, shakes, shakes your windowsill. I love it when the thunder is so powerful my house trembles. Some of you think, Pastor, you're weird. No, I'm a worshiper. Because this is what the Bible says about the thunder being the voice of God, a picture of the voice of God. God's voice, Job 37, verse 5, is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. Isn't that amazing? Look at Job 26. I'm going backwards, Skylar. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, or the fringes. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Isn't that awesome? When I hear thunder so loud that it shakes our house, I'm reminded of the word of God. And I, I turn to my kids or my wife and I say, God is whispering. If the thunder is his whisper, what does his outside voice sound like? That's his inside voice. 
I mean, seriously, when, when there's a good storm or you see the lightning filling the skies, do you pause and you just go, God, you are so amazingly powerful. I pause to worship you because the creation isn't the fullness of his power. It's just a tiny expression. God's more powerful than his creation. But I want you to see something else because this gives us courage while we're going on. Look at back at Proverbs 8. I want to look at the second half of this because Jesus is on the scene at the creation of the world. Then I, Jesus, was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. You know, the Bible says in some of the uh, translations, I'll take care of the living Bible. I was the craftsman, Jesus said, by the Lord, by the Father's side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. How happy I was with what he created, his wide world and all this family of mankind. This is incredible. I want you to see that when all that existed was, was spirit, all right, angels, no cosmos, nothing material. God the Father and God the Son, the Bible says, were co-creating. And as they were creating, the creation comes out of the joy and out of the overflow of their own happiness. This is a powerful picture. Jesus laughing, playing as a master craftsman, creating, watching galaxies, stars, and finally people brought into creation by, the spoken, by their spoken word. This is phenomenal. The Father and the Son having a party over creation. Can I just encourage you, in the midst of all that's going on, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And in the midst of the hardest times you go through, going into God's presence and seeing a smile on his face, reassuring you that he is omnipotent, all-powerful. His name is synonymous with power. You, ha- you have no need to worry. You have no need to fear. Trust the Lord. Let the joy of God fill your heart. That's what this means. The power of God demonstrated in the created realm. But I'm going to have you know, too, when you go from Genesis to Revelation, there's one message in the Bible. I'll be quick on this. It's the message of redemption. Every Can I just, I'm setting the stage for us. We have to develop an appetite for weakness, smallness, and being the underdog. Us. Because read the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, you think of any, every story in the Bible. All right? Help me out. How about David and Goliath? Who's the underdog? David, big time. Talk about all the battles that Israel faced. Were they ever superior? No, they were always the underdog. Talk about um, some of the greatest miracles that happened in the Bible. Uh, They came because of our need, not because of our strength. Can I just set the stage for you? The reason God is so strong and he wants us to understand his strength is because the whole Bible is a a book about redeeming and taking broken, uh, enslaved. How about Israel? Why did God deliver them from Israel? To demonstrate his mighty power and to display his glory. Why does God do anything in our lives? I'll tell you two reasons. To demonstrate his power and to display his glory. Get used to facing challenges. But I love David. What a kid. Comes out there. There's this giant. And he was not thinking about himself at all. His whole focus was on, who do you think you are? And could you imagine Goliath looking at him going, who do you think you are? He said, you have offended the God of Israel. How dare you talk about our God the way you're talking? Don't you know who you're talking about? I'm fixing to let you know uh, this God. And there he's standing there, this little kid, you know, with this this slingshot and this big giant, and God brings the giant down. 
And then all his armed soldiers over here are like, yeah, yeah, let's go. You know, they were chickens before, but after this little kid came out who had an understanding of God, they win. How about Jesus as the underdog? We don't often see him as the underdog, but how many know he had some pretty serious obstacles? He, he had to overcome Satan. He had to overcome sin. He had to overcome the grave. How many know overcoming death's kind of a serious thing? How about prophesying about your death before it happens and then having it happen and then raising three days later? That's no small task. Uh, he conquered death for us from beginning to end in the Bible. We have one message. It is God using the power of his uh, redemption love to rescue his people and to demonstrate his power. And have you noticed this? I think this is hilarious. In the Bible, when it talks about God demonstrating his might, it, he, it says, by my hand or by my arm. It's always singular. Have you noticed that? I mean, we would say by my hands, by my arms. But, I, you know, I've, I've often wondered about that. Here's why I think it says singular. Because I think God's saying, I got one arm tied behind my back. And I'm still big enough to handle it with my hand and my arm. Now, that might not be the theological interpretation, but I think it kind of works. I like that. My dad's stronger than your dad kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. How many times, I love this, the disciples said, Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. How about when they were in front of the demonic, demonic person who got set free? says, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even the evil spirits flee at his command. How about Luke, the doctor, reporting that his power, the power uh, or the report of his power spread faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Luke chapter 9, 53, awe gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power. Let me ask you this question. If this is the Jesus who we follow, should we not be following him with courage and strength and conviction? Should not we be looking at this time right now? How many of you have been praying for people in your family to come to know the Lord? Now would probably be a really good time. How many of you think your neighbor might be open to hearing why you're so full of joy and peace and why you're sharing your toilet paper with them, all right? Now, I want to encourage you, please share your toilet paper because that's a sign that we have faith, all right? We're moving out. we got enough to go. We're going to bless people. But you get my point. This is a time for the church to shine. God is at work. How do we know God's at work? Because we just read, he's doing everything that he pleases in heaven. He's working out all of his purposes. He is absolute power. He doesn't report to anyone. So we know that. So here's the question we're asking now. God, what are you up to? What are you up to? I know you're shaking our idols. I know you're bringing people to their knees. I know you're, you're how about this? He's showing us what we're made of, right? How, how, emotionally, how are you doing right now? You know, how you doing? Are you moving in faith? Are you moving in fear? Are you confident about the hour? Are you excited about what's ahead of us? Or are we shrinking back? See, this, this reveals who we are and how big God is inside of us. Are we going to be a voice of hope? Are we going to be a voice of encouragement? Are we going to be a voice of reason and sanity? Are we going to point people to the great one, the mighty one? Or are we going to be like everybody else around the water cooler? If we have a water cooler, some of you aren't allowed to go to the water cooler uh, because, because you might share your disease or something with somebody. But how about this? How about sharing joy and life? I told you before, jo- the joy of the Lord is a greater deterrent against sickness than a face mask. I'm serious as a heart attack right now. The joy of the Lord is more life-giving to your body physically than a face mask. So smile and laugh and love people. 
uh, and touch people with the good news. Here's what we're going to do in the time we have left. If I could have the worship team come up here. And, hey, didn't our worship team set the stage today? Yeah. woo <laughs> Guys, set it up. I want to tell you two things that I think should be our response to the truth about God's power. The first thing is reverence. How many of you know a God this big and this powerful and this strong deserves our everything and our reverence, meaning the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? I love what Jesus said. We always talk about the mercy and compassion of the Lord, and we should. That, that never changes. But can I tell you what else he said? Luke chapter 12, verse 5. I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. How many of you need an interpretation of that verse? <laughs> I'm talking about the real fear of the Lord. Can I just tell you something? The biggest problem, I believe, in America right now is the church is so full of compromise that God can hardly do anything with us because we've lost the fear of the Lord and we're living lifestyles that would actually send us to hell. I and mean, I believe that with all my heart. We love other things. We're living in ways that, that completely go against God's word. And then we're hoping that somehow in the end it's all going to work out. Is there no fear of God in you? The Bible said if your eyes are offending you through lust, gouge them out rather than go to hell. The Bible says that. If your hand offends you because you're doing bad things with it, cut it off. Now, obviously, Jesus is speaking here. This is, this is a, a not literal, all right? What he's trying to say is, this is serious. If your eyes are causing you problems, do something about them because they can cause you to miss out on eternity. If your lifestyle is in such a way that it's not pleasing God, you need to hear that verse. Fear God who has the ability, because he is the Lord of life and the power of life, he has the ability to take your life. And he has the ability to judge you. And I just need to say this, because God is righteous, and we're going to get into this. Nobody's going to hell that doesn't deserve to be there, 100%. The flip side is, why do we keep resisting the mercy and compassion and goodness of God? Stop it. I'm telling you, stop it. Today's a good day to stop it. Today's a good day to repent. So we need to reverence God. But the second thing, and I close with this, we need to turn to God as our refuge. I'm going to read this as a way of encouragement for our prayer time, and then I want you to hop to your feet. In fact, hop to your feet right now. I'm going to get you warmed up, all right? We're going to pray. Psalm 18, verse 2. Look on the screen with me. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, That's the power that saves me. And he is my place of safety. This is why in Ephesians 6.10, a final word, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What a privilege today to join the body of Christ all across this nation and to join our leadership to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek God's face. And here's what I would love to believe with you. Wouldn't it be great if this virus disappears as fast as it came on us? And, uh, and that in response to a declaration from our highest governmental leader to, to please come out and pray, and the church responding to that instruction, that we would see that the calamity that we thought was coming was, would not nearly be as severe as anybody dreamed. How many of you want to believe that this would be like Y2K all over? 
the, bi the biggest non-event, right? Everybody was so afraid of Y2K, and then it came, and I was like, nothing happened. Um, let's believe for a Y2K in 2020, all right, that God would move. But how about this? Let's believe that the surgery that the Lord needs to do to us, to the world, the deep surgery to make sure that we love him. We don't have any idols in our heart. Let's pray that he does that. How many know the best place to start is, Lord, do it in me? So you know what? The altars are open here. If you want to come up, humble yourself. I think it's always fitting. This is not a religious thing. Those of you that can do it, I encourage you to do it. It is always fitting to kneel before the Lord in humility as a, as a posture, to kneel before God, to humble ourselves, to pray. God, forgive me. God, we pray for our nation. God, I want to love you. God, forgive me for unbelief. God, help me to love you better. Deal with my idols. Humble yourself before God. Maybe you kneel there. If you can't kneel, that's fine. Stay standing or be seated, whatever you need to do. But I want us to lift our voices corporately. Dave and the worship team are going to lead us in some song of praise. But I want you to get with your family. Some of you get with your, your husband, your wife. Join hands. Pray. Get with some friends around you. Pray for America. Pray that this virus would be stopped. Pray that Jesus would be glorified. Pray that people would come to know the Lord. But pray, 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 pray. And then I'm going to lead us in closing, all right? So you're free to move about. <laughs>